Listeners, sorry about the late drop this week. We had a couple of things that popped up on Mondays. Gosh, we hate Mondays. Uh, it's right when we get ready to either get the edit finished and we're going to drop the, the podcast and something else happens that we have to insert or I have to go through and edit something because something else comes out that contradicts what we had recorded originally when we actually recorded the podcast. So I want to make sure that we try and stay accurate by the time we drop the podcast rather than having to go back and recorrect myself the next week and hoping that you actually come back and listen because you could listen to this and go, well, that wasn't true. So fuck you guys. I'm out. But what happened this week was one, we were all really busy to try and get to the podcast. It's a really long run for this week. And I'm trying to edit that down as much as possible. There's a lot of editing tricks that I'm doing in this uh, episode. So I apologize if something doesn't quite match up, but trust me, I'm trying to stay as true to the content that we covered over the weekend as possible. And there's no real intro this week because we started talking about a conversation that had to do with the media that actually was relevant to another topic that we had coming into the podcast. And I decided to leave it in there. Anyways, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Now, here's the rest of the podcast. Uh, It's really funny to me how the news media has taken this whole thing of like, they're they're just now starting to fact check themselves. (laughs) And after after like the past two decades of just complete bullshit of them intersecting their own opinions like on the on the podcast our podcast is an opinion podcast it's our opinion on things we yeah. give you facts but we also put in our own our own opinions and and our listeners should know by now that not everything should be taken at face value based off of solely what we say because we can be wrong the difference no, is, is when we are wrong we point out that we're wrong that's from any source, really. There's, there's absolutely you never get your information from one sole source. Absolutely, this is uh, that is extremely true. Um, but watching what's been going on to Chris Cuomo, I've just been sitting there going, like, so people are finally just starting to say, "Hey, we're putting our own opinions here," or they're starting to fact check. And then you had the whole thing with uh, Kim Jong uh, uh, Kim Jong Un. Yeah, uh, he, you know the rumors that have been coming out of North Korea is that his, his health is, is up and down. And I sat there and I'm like, well, that's like, when I first heard it, I was like, that sounds like something that's kind of, that that's something really you shouldn't report on because it's not fact. And any facts coming out of North Korea are, are minuscule because we don't really know <laughs> half the crap that's going yeah. on there. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a nation with primarily no, no electricity. So how the fuck are we getting news from there? Well, that was that was one of the things I had to laugh about uh, when I was looking at it today is uh, I don't remember which news source it was, but they pointed out like, well, we we won't know until we hear from North Korea. I'm like, and you would believe anything coming from North Korea? Yeah, (laughs) they they could tell you that he's he he didn't die. He ascended into the force. Right. And now he's just this hologram on a podium for people to look at. And I would not put it past them to do that to try and basically sell it off as like he's a spirit running the country from here on just to prevent his sister from coming into power. It's just funny because, you know, he had MSNBC who were, who were sitting there like Kim Jong-un died in surgery or in complicated surgery. Then the reporter walks it back. It's like, I'm going to remove it because or remove this, this tweet because I should really fact check myself. That's what you should do every time yeah. before you say you something. get a source before you say shit. We're not the news listeners. We can do that every fucking time. We could just blurt out anything. But the difference is, is that, you know, it's our opinion. And when we're wrong, we point it out. We don't just put it on, you know, the back cover of a New York Times. We don't put it on the, uh, 
you know, <clears throat> we don't put it in a little ticker tape running at the bottom of our newscast. We, we tell you openly, hey, I was wrong about this. And we're happy to because, you know, you deserve honesty from us just as much as we deserve honesty from anyone else in the news media. And we're not even news. Yeah. <laughs> But this whole thing with Chris Cuomo has made me laugh because I'm sitting there going like he he fucking goes onto a radio show, completely outs himself as not being in quarantine, uh, loses his shit, has a meltdown about the fact that he's basically doing reality TV, TV shit for CNN. And the amount of people who still want to support CNN is unreal. It's that their their slogan, the most trusted name and uh, in name and news is completely bullshit. Oh, yeah. Because the amount of mental gymnastics that CNN does, I mean, it's just unreal. This is a news network that uh, they, they literally had newscasters on there saying that they had actual evidence and testimony to back up the corroboration that Trump was in collusion with the Russians. Let's just, I want to point out, like, when they first talked about the fact that, like, he might be in collusion with the Russians, we were like, okay, <laughs> we, we, if, if it happened, then it's, we, would we be surprised, listeners? No. Uh, if it didn't happen, though, then you don't continue to blame somebody and say that, that, that it actually happened. That's just how facts and evidence work. And yet they had they said they had all this proof and stuff. And yet none of that was used for when the Democrats were trying to impeach him. So why wasn't any of that evidence used? Well, because they all had to walk it back and say, oh, we actually didn't have any of those sources. And none of that stuff actually happened. And it was called our bluff fucking bullshit. So you wonder why CNN and the media aren't trusted listeners. That's why. That's why the media isn't trusted because they continue to push their own narrative and their own ideas. And when I say they're pushing their own narrative, they're basically just giving their own opinions and calling it fact. As you know from Pixar's uh, Inside Out, facts and opinions tend to get muddled by human beings. But the news is supposed to filter those. Like the if you look back at newspapers years back, you'll see news articles and they just report on the facts. And then they have these sections called opinion pieces mm-hmm. where somebody gives their opinion on that. That's what the news used to do, and they don't do that anymore. Now it's just a, a reporter giving their own interjection and saying what they believe. And that's kind of crazy. It's because there's no sensationalism in facts. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly it. And so Chris Cuomo lost his shit because he was, being, he was essentially seeing himself as a sensationalized news reporter, and he didn't like what he was doing. So he lost his crap on this radio show, and then he denies that he, that he ever said anything that he said about it. And... Now that he's like, now he's done this video of him coming out of quarantine. Everyone's calling him out on his shit. Like everyone's just sitting there going, seriously, dude, like you, like at this point, most, like most viewers can't even believe if he actually had COVID-19 in the first place because of the way that this, the the way he's handled himself and the way that he did this, like he talks about the fact that he met this, you know, fat tire biker. And I already told you about this, but he, he met this fat tire biker out in the middle or out, out and on his property. In, in in his case, he said his backyard. Then he turned around and said his uh, his driveway. And it turns out, no, it was out in the Hamptons on his unbuilt property that just has a frame for the building on it. It probably has concrete. So, yeah, it probably does have a driveway on it. Uh, so I'll give him maybe that. OK, uh, but it's not really it's, it, he, the way he words it is he makes it sound like he was out in front of his own house and this guy just stopped by to berate him. And it turns out that it's this 65-year-old bike rider who he called a jackass loser. By the way, this guy's a 65-year-old man whose daughter is a Johns Hopkins doctor. Yeah. Sounds like a real loser to you, right? (laughs) So we can probably assume that, that they were probably a loser 
if they were taking their time out of their day just to berate you. But this guy was on a bike ride. He was he had just done about seven to eight miles. And this is from his own words. And he had decided to take a break. And he was just happened to be near the property, which is where the trail that he rides on is. And so he stopped and decided to take a look at what was going on. It was, you know, a new property being built. And he was like, oh, you know, cool. This is this is this is taking place. I'll take a break and just stand here. And while he was standing there, a woman approached him and asked him, can I help you? And he turns around and he says, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just taking a break. And uh, then he sees the family, which is Chris Cuomo and his kids. And he suddenly realizes, hey, that's Chris Cuomo. And he goes, hey, you're Chris Cuomo. And he knows that Chris Cuomo is supposed to be in quarantine in his basement because Chris Cuomo has been doing reports from his basement every fucking day, practically, from CNN. And allegedly, he goes, yeah, that's what that's what I'm getting at. Is, he goes, hey, aren't you Chris Cuomo? And Chris gets kind of pissed off because at this point he's being recognized and being shown. Oh, shit. I've been lying. So Chris Cuomo does what Chris Cuomo does, which is gets, you know, his his mafioso mentality and roid rage and starts getting pissed off. So he starts berating and belittling the man while the man is just standing there pretty much taking it and. And just pointing out the fact that, but you're here with your family. You guys aren't wearing gloves. You're not wearing masks. And you're, and, and I thought you were supposed to be in quarantine. Aren't you contagious? Now, this isn't happening from six feet, listeners. This is actually happening between the two of them. It starts out happening between the two of them from roughly 40 feet. And, and Cuomo starts closing the distance between the two. Never gets, never gets closer than, not to the point where he should worry about it. But the woman who approached him was closer than six feet when she first approached him. He, and the gentleman in the bike backed away because of it, you know, observing social distancing. And given the fact that she's just been around Chris Cuomo, who's contagious with COVID-19. Well, that means she's probably got it and she's probably carrying, carrying the virus too. Now, I don't know who this other woman was, uh, but uh, I can assume it was probably his oldest daughter because she's been the one taking care of the family supposedly during this time and wearing a hazmat suit. So if she's been wearing a hazmat suit while she's been taking care of her parents and suddenly her parents are outside and she's not wearing a hazmat suit, doesn't have gloves or a mask and the kids are are, are the same way. So is his wife who was reported to have COVID-19 about two weeks ago. Um, everything seems fine to me. So did you guys actually have it? Did you just say, screw it, everybody's going to get sick, everybody, anyways, and we might, as, we might as well just, you know, observe her mentality. Either way, you should just be honest about it instead of losing your shit because someone pointed out the fact that you're not in quarantine like you're supposed to and you're out in public. Just because you're on your property doesn't mean that you're observing your social distancing when you're around your family within less than six feet of each other. You're right next to each other. Touching hands, you know, having a good time and stuff like that. Well, you're you're not observing social distancing. You're full of shit. That or you don't understand what six feet means. <laughs> or you just don't give a shit about whether or not your family get infected. Yeah. And that's exactly it. So the guy was pointing it out. He wasn't yelling at Chris. He's even pointed this out in his own and in, in several interviews. He didn't yell at him. He simply pointed out that you're not observing social distancing between each other. And Chris lost his mind gets pissed off and is like, basically, you know, who the hell are you? You can't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want. This is a normal reaction listeners for a human being to take. I mean, that's a, that's a normal reaction for anybody, uh, any American, especially to take of somebody trying to tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing, but going on national radio to, to berate the guy more and basically try and make him look like an, a jackass because I have power and I can go on a radio and make somebody else look bad. 
because they can't do anything back to me. Well, turns out it can. Turns out after your story and when people thought you were in quarantine because you haven't you you've been in quarantine for so long and you suddenly come out with a story of saying you're outside during the COVID-19 shit and it was on Easter Sunday and you point out it was on Easter Sunday. Well, people are going, "Well, you were supposed to be in quarantine. You've been telling everybody else that you've been in quarantine and, and self-quarantine in your own basement away from your family and how you haven't had contact with them and having, how you've been staying away from your kids, minus your oldest daughter, who's supposedly been wearing a hazmat suit while she's been taking care of you. And yet, turns out that's not the case. Turns out that's a lie. You're actually going out and and more than likely, based off of your condition and what we've seen on television and, and your your sweats and fever, uh, you're probably putting on a bit of a show. And it seems exactly the case when you turn around and say different facts than what actually happened. I mean, that point, listeners, you have no choice but to, but to really think to yourself is, did he actually get sick? Was this just a, a fake report that CNN put together just to get sympathy and get his ratings up? Because if you notice after he got COVID-19, his ratings boosted. That's kind of strange. So listeners, that's why people can't really believe the media anymore. That's that's why a lot of people sit there going, well, this is kind of, you guys are kind of full of shit. All of you, you keep bringing up these supposed facts and you have nothing to back it up with. And the sad thing is the majority still eat it up. Oh yeah, the amount of people who gave him a thumbs up when he posted his video of coming out of quarantine from his basement was unbelievable. I was like, really? Like you guys are fucking lemmings. Do you just not pay attention to anything else? Like do you only read certain news? And listeners, just so you know, like I... When it comes to news, especially anything on politics, this is true for the whole group. We all read multiple sources and not just sources that are conservative. And the reason why we do that is because we want to know what both sides are saying and we sort through the bullshit and then we do our own fact checking. Sorry, we didn't mean like I didn't really mean to put this information out there in the the podcast. I might just take it out. We'll see. But uh, I I felt like it was one of those things like we kind of need to give a little bit of uh, our own opinion, our own little bit of a. education and how we think about things and how we look at uh, at our news and how we look at the media and just the how media has gotten so sensationalized to the point where it's the, it's literally like watching their reality TV. I feel like I'm watching when I turn on CNN or MSNBC or anything like that, even Fox, I feel like I'm watching sensationalist television oh, yeah. to try and get a reaction out of the audience because reactionary television is how people get motivated to change things and, and do things. And it doesn't matter if it's a lie. And when we have when we have a president who is, you know, formerly a reality TV star, I kind of sit there and going, this is crazy. Like (laughs) we we got a reality television star on uh, as a president and the news media went with it, (laughs) went went reality TV and decided this is the right way to go. Um, And it's it's just it's not just news companies. And no. It is social media uh, companies or anything like that. Like people are, are pretty much this way overall now too. Not oh, yeah. once do I jump onto Facebook. I, I've got a pretty wide plethora of Facebook friends as far as like beliefs and backgrounds. Yeah. And absolutely. not once have I seen a post on Facebook like, well, you know, we really need to uh, get the economy rolling again, but we do need to be really careful. Something really central and, you know, middle based, no, it's it's either uh, oh if you if you open up the country you don't give a shit about people's lives or it's you know the uh, the flu if you is, don't open up is, the country you don't give a shit up. about people's lives yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's always the extreme left or yeah. the extreme right it's yeah. I don't have people <clears throat> going in there posting up things that are centralized in you know in any kind of uh, base of thought 
you know? Yeah. It's amazing in a world full of gray and middle ground that we should have. We don't have it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just really interesting to see this whole dynamic and how it's, how it's kind of uh, like, I, and I, I gotta, I gotta go back to social media. I believe, I absolutely believe social media is to blame yeah. <laughs> because yeah. social media is all about reaction and all about people getting upset or getting yeah. and you know, middle ground doesn't involved. middle ground doesn't incite those reactions and those emotions. Middle absolutely. ground is reason when, and, and understanding. When you try, yeah. When you try to reason <laughs> out things and you try to explain things and be logical about things, people get mad and irate at you for trying to show there's a middle ground here that we're just trying to analyze it and, and explain it out. And instead they get really pissed off because you're not getting mad because you're not getting mad. Like it, it reminds me of the old debates that I used to get into. Yeah. Especially I, in I'm more outraged than you. So I'm a better person. Yeah, it, exactly. Like I used to get, I used to get into debates with people and one of the, like I do have to say, I give massive amount of credit to uh, my two roommates, Rob and Steve uh, Steve, who you guys have met on the podcast, not really met, but you've listened to him at least. Uh, they have helped, they helped me grow tremendously as a, as a, as a person when we lived together, because even after college, I was still kind of, uh, I was super opinionated and I was super, super stuck in my ways, but I wasn't willing on some issues, wasn't willing to set and listen to another person's opinion. If it disagreed with mine, I was very much, uh, I don't want to out my family, but it was very much like some of my other family members in this fact that like when we get stuck with something, we just kind of get hard. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a trait in my family. If we get stuck with something, we really get hard headed about it. Yeah. But Steve and Rob really were, they're very compassionate people and very logically minded and they're very willing to hear you out on what you have to say. But at the same time, you have to be willing to talk, to talk back with them and, and they have to be allowed to voice their opinion and you have to be willing to hear them out. And by living with them and, and having uh, even just, just, just discussions, uh, theological, anything, they would help me understand, oh, like while, while I'm, I'm allowed to have my own opinion, I'm allowed to be vocal about it and be very opinionated, I have to be willing to hear somebody else. If I'm willing to put my opinion out there, I have to be willing to hear somebody else's opinion. And I have to be willing to hear them out and get their opinion back. It's kind of the reason why we ended up with a podcast in, in the long run, because yeah. that's how I started approaching a lot, a lot of conversations. Um, it's how, I, how we approach, you know, the podcast, uh, in a uh, lot of ways. Listeners, the, the very first podcast I was on Vargo and I went back and <laughs> forth. I don't even remember specifically about what I it think was, it had it was something to do with Mass, Mass Effect. It was Mass Effect and 3. Xbox yeah. and something. I don't remember, but we went back and forth on it, you know, uh, not really arguing, but you know, a good solid conversation over it. Mm-hmm. And Loach thought we were just at each other's throats. Yeah, it was and, very uh, funny. Yeah, it, and you won't ever hear that cast because it, that one had to get scrapped. But it, yeah, it we had an issue a, with the mic actually uh, when we recorded that. Listeners, it was actually a really good podcast. I really wish we had actually had it posted. After we were done, Loach was really concerned, and he he was like, "Man, like I I he didn't think I liked Miles at all." And uh, at the time, he didn't even ask me. I just assumed that Miles was going to start coming back to the show, was going to start coming onto the show, and uh, we had to scrap the episode. And Loach was like. So what happened to the recording? I, I played it for Loach and he's like, ooh, that sounds really bad. It sounded terrible. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened, but it sounded absolutely awful. It was super. Well, accurate. we were still on the um, uh, the tiny uh, battery yeah. operated mic and we were all spread that was, that out. That was way before the mics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was uh, that was back with the uh, the uh, the original recorder. And I think it was I think it was even back when we were still borrowing the recorder from Bronx that he had um, before we actually got our own. And uh, it sounded absolutely awful. I don't remember what 
like what caused it. It might've been a setting that I had, but it was just fucking terrible. I remember sitting there going, God, this was a really good, this was a really good debate. We should have this. And, uh, I think like a couple of weeks go by, we've recorded a couple more episodes and I finally go, Hey, where's miles? And Lutch goes, what? And I go, I thought miles is going to start coming out of the show. Like, is he able to join us again? And Loach goes, I thought you guys hated each other. <laughs> and uh, I went, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, you guys were just at it back and forth. I was like, we were having a conversation. He goes, he goes, yeah, but you were just arguing back and forth. I'm like, no, we were having a difference of opinion. And while neither one of us at the time could, could see, can, can concede on it. And I think since then listeners, we've, we've both come to a, to a middle, to a, to a happy middle ground on how we feel about certain things uh, within the mass with within mass effect, especially mass effect three. Um, it was, it was a, just a really good conversation. And Loach just goes, Oh, I didn't ask him back because I thought you guys just hated each other. So I just didn't ask him. So I go, dude, bring him back. Like, it'd be great to have another person. I mean, at the time Bronx, I think was at the time kind of fading out and he wasn't really coming to the podcast as much. Yeah. And uh, I was like, we, we could use like another voice. And I said, you know, just having you and me argue back and forth is, is not, the best it's funny but it's not great <laughs> he, he goes okay you know i'll ask i'll ask miles and uh so that's that's kind of the origin of of how miles got into this under the podcast i mean i don't know how yeah. he approached you After, with it oh dude <laughs> loach loach bugged me for like three months about getting on the podcast yeah and uh i was like man i and i'd be i was being nice i was like ah, i don't know we'll see and uh but in the back of my mind, I was sitting there going like, I don't know this dude. I was like, fuck a <laughs> podcast. I was like, I'm not even friends with this guy. Like, he's a he's a decent coworker. Yeah. I was like, eh, I don't know. And then uh, I went and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But then, uh, you know, the cast didn't get posted because I was, I was waiting to see it pop up because I wanted yeah. to, you know, like show it off to Shana or whatever. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I must have must have turned out really bad or they didn't like having me on or something. And, uh, I think I asked him, I don't know, like a week later, I was like, Hey, what happened to the cast? I didn't see it post up anywhere. I, I don't remember what he said about it, but, uh, eventually, you know, I think it was like a week or two weeks later. I think it was like two weeks later. Um, they, there was talk about, uh, having me come back. I was like, yeah, sure. And I was there pretty much every week since. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really funny because like, well, what's really funny is on my end when he kept talking about like having you on at the first at first he had he had talked about having you on uh, like a month before you ever came on. And yeah. he goes, he goes, yeah, he's, he's really smart. and He's, you know, he's a cool guy. He's like, you'll you'll really like him. He's like, he's, he's a good guy. And I'm like, OK, uh, not knowing that you guys barely had spent much time to each other outside, except for at work. Yeah. And finally, uh, I think it was like a another two weeks or so. He's like, hey, so do you think Miles would be? a good fit on here. I'm like, I like, I don't know. I'm like, I've never met him. I'm like, well, we can have him on and try him out and see what happens. Listeners like miles. I'm very kind of weary about putting my trust in anyone. Yeah. And especially if I don't know the person and having them, you know, having them suddenly on the podcast, it's kind of one of those things of like, okay. And this wasn't the first time Loach had done this. <laughs> I want to point this out. <laughs> like he, he had brought other people onto the podcast before. It's how Josiah and DJ were on, were on there for a while. And listeners, you don't know who DJ, DJ is because I don't think we have any episodes posted with him on they're, anymore. They're probably out there somewhere in the ether. Like the <laughs> notorious uh, fry box eating. It's how Josiah ended up on the, sh- on the podcast. It's kind of how Anderson ended up on the podcast because Miles had invited him one time and he just never left. Um, and we didn't have the heart to tell him to leave. <laughs> I hope he hears this and fuck you. I was introduced to him because I was like, well, you know, he's super knowledgeable on horror. 
and uh, mm-hmm. uh, in comics in, in in a lot of aspect. I was yeah. like, you know, th- those are factors that I don't have a whole lot of insight into. Yeah, yeah. And we had we 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 had had quite a few uh, podcasts that covered those kinds of topics. And uh, I was like, oh, I've I've got somebody that can do a good job on that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe about another week, week and a half went, guy went by and I went, so is that guy Miles going to join us? Like you, you talked about him for a while and you acted like, you know, you wanted to have him on the show. And I was like, I thought you were asking him if you could be on the show that weekend. He goes, oh, yeah. Uh, he's like, uh, I asked him. He's uh, we'll see if he can do it this weekend. And I was like, OK, I think at the same time while he was talking you up to me, he was he was bugging the shit out of you right. uh, from the sound of it. So he goes back and he, he finally gets you to come on the podcast. And that's what that's how that happened. But I just thought it was funny. Like after that, po- after that podcast, I was like, I kind of expected you to just come back. Like I was he, like, Loach asked right. me how, what I thought after the podcast. I was like, I liked him. And he goes, he goes, but you guys were arguing all the time. I was like, well, we, we weren't really arguing. We were disagreeing on our opinions and yeah. trying to sway the other one to our opinion. And there was no way we could, we could concede it. It didn't matter if I ended the po- if I ended the conversation with, well, I think you're wrong. It doesn't matter if I ended the conversation with, well, I think that's bullshit or anything like that. We were two guys talking. I'm like, if we had been sitting at a bar having a, you know, having a conversation with a couple of beers, it would have been the same kind of same kind of conversation. Yeah. So in, invite him back. Yeah. Bring him back on. And he goes, he goes, okay. So he, fi- I, I guess he finally approached you after that and, and asked you to come back on and you came back on and uh, you know, the rest is history, obviously. And in general, uh, listeners, Vargo and I pretty much see eye to eye on a lot of things, a lot of things. Um, yeah. so it's always kind of interesting when we do come across something that we actually do disagree on. Uh, vehemently. Yeah. Usually the one I argue <laughs> with is Loach. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, Loach, he just doesn't give up on his opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he just kind of plays France. He's like, all right, well, you know, I'm just, that's, that's how it is. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and that's, you know, that's fine. I mean, I, I literally literally like listeners, literally my viewpoint on how I used to argue with things was the same way. Like I would not budge. Didn't matter if I was wrong. Uh, I would not budge. And even if somebody could point out like the, the foul, like the, the, not the fallacies, but the weaknesses in my logic, I, I wouldn't budge. That was, that was just the way I was. And you can see it as, well, that's just how I feel about it. Okay. That's fine. I, I have no problem with that. Loach is on the con is still on the podcast, obviously. So we, right. you know, we clearly can get past that. Uh, there are times where he gets really frustrated with me and I know it, and I can always hear it in his voice on the podcast when he just goes, well, whatever, Mike. And then he's like, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm wrong. I'm out. And that, like, that's where he's basically just mad at me. Right. And that's okay. Listeners, you should know if that ever happens on the podcast and you hear it, we get past those things pretty, pretty easily, pretty quickly. He and I are still best friends. It's never going to change. And I will always frustrate the hell out of him. That's why he's leaving the state. <laughs> no, that's actually not why he's leaving the state. So listeners, in case you guys don't know, and I don't think we've brought this up on the podcast, is Miles Anderson, Josiah, and I are going to be leaving uh, in August. So we might not have a podcast that, that week to go to Loach's wedding. It's going to be uh, in another state. So he's moving. And uh, hopefully at some point we'll get him set up so he can do remote podcasts with us, whether that's like, a, you know, just a little mini mic that he can talk into and just send us the recordings that might end up being the case. But uh, either way, we're, we're going to try and make sure we can get him back on the podcast again uh, after that. So hopefully, you know, hopefully that doesn't end up being like a permanent absence, but uh, he'll be absent for probably a little while while that's taking place because he is moving, uh, I believe, in uh, about seven weeks. So might be a while before you hear him again, but we're definitely going to try and get him back on. <laughs> Enough of our personal lives and me ranting and starting over this. Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. 
Nine miles. <laughs> After that 30 minute opener. Uh, yeah. So listeners, uh, the, the, the whole thing with uh, the way that news has been kind of sensationalized brings me into our first topic. So our first topic is Jason Schreier, the, one of the few investigative reporters in the gaming or having to do with gaming entertainment. He is leaving Kotaku. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he put out a uh, public notice as to why he was leaving Kotaku and he doesn't pull any punches. He basically points out the fact that the reason why he's leaving Kotaku is because one, he's basically tired of the bullshit. He's tired of the politics that's going on with the uh, company. Uh, they had a meeting with the uh, employees and and the, uh, I don't know, like I don't really understand how this works when they do a vote of no confidence uh, for a CEO, if it's just the employees or if it's people who actually have own shares in the company and stuff like that. But uh, I think, I think it's a share thing. Yeah. I think I would imagine it, it was employees and people outside of the company who own shares yeah. within the company. And I believe that, uh, if you've been with Kotaku for long enough, you end up owning shares in the company. Maybe. It's because a lot of companies do that with uh, with their employees. But yeah, it was the same thing for Coca Cola with me and uh, Anderson. Yeah. So. Okay. So uh, they held a meeting and they did a vote of no confidence, and it was the the vote of no confidence for their CEO was supported by ninety seven percent of the shareholders. That's insane. That tells you that they do not have any faith in their leadership. So because of that, he and this is like I, I do want to point out that Kotaku was bought out by another company. So he's he points out that this is this is the way it's been and the way people have felt since they were bought out, and it's just been a long time coming. He just finally gave up and said, "Fuck it, I'm out." And uh, so he oh, yeah. he points out the fact that it's because of the lack of leadership and the bad leadership that's why he's leaving. Yeah, for, well, for the longest time, Kotaku was right up there with IGN as far as just horseshit. Um, yeah, but Jason Schreier was kind of that diamond sticking out of that, you know, especially yeah. when, uh, with the whole Bioware blowout that really made, uh, him, you know, uh, a, a trusted, you know, uh, author to go to. Yeah, he absolutely became a, a standout, uh, in the, the news department when it came to that, because he was the one that was actually giving us the background and everything to find out like what really took place during the development of that rather, rather than just doing what everybody else was doing, which was, you know, even us listeners, which was just theorizing what happened and solely blaming only EA. He actually was like, look, it's gotta be more than this. There's gotta be more going on in the background than what we saw and what we're hearing about. So I'm going to go and find out. And he's done that a few times. And he got the confidence of a lot of people that came forward and, and, you know, gave him the real, the real story. You yeah. Know? He's decided to leave Kotaku and he's going to go and start his own. Uh, his, I think it's his own media group. He talked about doing a new podcast or setting up a new podcast. I'm looking forward to that. I'll probably become, become a subscriber the second it goes out. Cause I, I like to, to hear his, uh, his reporting on it and even his own, his own thoughts on it. He's one of the few, also the, the few reporters that points out that his own, like what his own thoughts on something are. Yeah. He separates the facts from opinion. That shows you where the industry is now, just overall, even in media for gaming of these companies go for sensationalism. They go for trying to get as many readers with shock value or not really shock value, but reactionary value of articles, you know, creating hype for things that they don't really care about, that they're not really you know hopeful for, not being honest about what they're reporting on. And Schreier's, you know, fucking tired of it. Kotaku's been the same way as IGN for years. And since he was like pretty much the only one and, and people were 
constantly comment on the fact that this is the only guy I can read on, on Kotaku and actually believe yeah. and follow. He was like, well, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to go do my own thing. And he's working on a second book right now while he's spending time with his family. That's the that's his main you know concern. And I think that's pretty cool. But uh, we'll see what he does. Hopefully he does something and creates something that uh, we all can can get into. And he can still, you know, since he has so many contacts within the industry, he can still bring us the facts and, uh, you know, let us know what's actually happening in the background. Because I am going to miss being able to see his posts on, on Kotaku of when he actually shows up and says, you know, hey, this is what's going on with Anthem. This is what's going on with Bioware. This is what's going on with Bethesda. Here's the background information on this. And like th- those were the kind of articles that I was just like, God, dude, like this guy really shows off, like shows off what, what's actually happening in the industry. And this is the only good part of Kotaku right now. And now that he's gone, it's the equivalent of when Jeff Hamilton and, and Colin Moriarty left. I went, well, well, there's no point yeah. with Kotaku. They're already downhill. And since he was the only one pulling me back. I have no need to go back. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I still occasionally click on an IGN article or a Kotaku article or what what have you, but it's usually as like a heads up kind of thing. I'm like I said, you never go to one source for all your information. Yeah, if I see any kind of headline coming from one of them, I'll go look for it on Google and find other sources <laughs> be- yeah. before I ever look at anything they have. You know, I'll um, also look at like GameSpot and you yeah. know, et cetera, et cetera, multiple sources. It yep, really multiple sources. <laughs> Other things that are taking place in the industry are apparently the source code for Team Fortress and CSGO was leaked. And this is source code from, I think, 2017 or 2016. A lot of people are concerned with this for good reason. And when I first heard about it, I was like, well, it's the source code. Are they worried about it for hacking or for, for just hacking in the game in general and ruining the experience for gamers? Or are they worried about it for another reason? And it turns out they're worried about it for another reason. And that's primarily because of remote code executions, RCEs. Uh, and this is an issue in in cybersecurity listeners where a hacker can go into the same game as you. And if he has the source code for whatever program, or I shouldn't even say the same game. If you're using a program and a hacker is using the same program within a network as you, and they have access to the source code, they can remotely access, using that source code, they could remotely access your computer and your program, taking your information, all the bad things. And these RCEs aren't easy to create, but having the source code be public does help these bad actors. And this is a legitimate concern. And and uh, I gotta say, Steam didn't really handle this exactly how I think they should have. It's the equivalent of a leader like we've recently experienced that is trying to present calm and hopefulness but instead of instilling that with an additional thing of we need to be vigilant and making sure that we're, you know, making you aware of the problems and what this actually could mean. Now, if they explained it, uh, just plain to everybody, would that incite panic? Uh, I don't know. I don't think people would freak out over it if they explained the fact that there is a possibility of there's going to be more hacks in the po- or more hacks in the game. There's going to be a possibility of somebody maybe creating an exploit or maybe has created an exploit. Because keep in mind, this leak actually happened a year ago and people aren't saying that, hey, my account's been hacked or anything like that. And they aren't reporting that RCEs are out there. There have been a lot of there. There have been a few reports that there are, but I think one of them was actually verified that it was fake. And it would be really convenient for it to just suddenly emerge today after a year ago when it was first leaked. However, there are going to be more hacks. There is the possibility of now that it's public, 
that more uh, potential threats could be created out of it because other hackers will see it and go, hey, there is an opportunity. Let's take it. So should Valve turn around and tell people that? They should be a little more upfront saying, this is why we think you should be on our servers. We, you know, rather than saying, uh, just go to our servers and you'll be fine. They should say, you should be a little more uh, aware of what's happening and be a little more willing to be on our servers and to monitor your own account and make sure that nothing strange or out of the ordinary is taking place just for a while. Just make sure that you're not uh, being taken advantage of in any way. Uh, will other hacks happen because of this? Oh, probably more than likely. Yeah. <laughs> will will other people, now that it's public, be able to look at the source code? And even though it's old, will they be able to look at the source code and change some things as they see fit? It's possible, but hopefully Valve's doing their job on their end and actually monitoring their servers and monitoring the game. That will not extend over to people who have private servers and private uh, gaming tournaments or anything like that. So just be aware of it. Valve's message of it's not cause for concern is incorrect. It's uh, it's not cause for panic. You don't need to just stop playing the game or anything like that. Just be aware that there's possibilities of the game having hacks and there being a little more problems within the uh, online community as a result because of this. And again, RCs are really hard to create unless you have the source code. And now that the source code has gone public, the automated systems that are used for creating these attacks will have something to actually work with. So that could be something that will possibly emerge. But if Steam's doing their job or Valve's doing their job, I should say, they're making sure that their servers are a lot more secure than they used to be years back. As for how the source code got, you know, got leaked, there's not a whole lot of information of how that took place. And if you're one of those people who are sitting there saying, well, there's nothing to be concerned about, just like Valve told you, uh, because you did a little bit of research on what you think is uh, cybersecurity, you're an idiot. I'm not saying you should panic, but it's it is something to be a little bit concerned about. Uh, it's the same thing as if you know you hear about a, a data breach from anything out there in the world. Of just make sure you're monitoring things, make sure you're looking out for things. If you you know in this case you can't really change your password in order to mitigate this, but make sure you're monitoring what's going on and you're aware of what's happening on your own computer. And if something strikes you as odd, look into it. Try to find out what this might be. Even if you feel if you feel it's really weird, contact Valve. Let them know. And speaking of leaks, apparently the main plot and some more gameplay of The Last of Us 2 was leaked online uh, either just today, Monday, when I'm recording re- recording this and inserting it in the podcast, or over the weekend. But regardless, a, uh, apparently it's been leaked and uh, a lot of people are upset about it. They're not really happy about some of the story plot reveals. And uh, we ha- we here at the Geek Out Heroes have not looked at it. We plan on playing the game like anyone else legitimately. But it is kind of convenient that this happens and suddenly Sony reveals that it's going to be coming out now in June when originally Last of Us 2 was delayed indefinitely. And listeners, we all thought it was going to be delayed until the PS5. And now it's going to be coming out in June. So we're happy to be wrong. I mean, that's always a good thing when we're wrong about the date of that. And uh, it comes out sooner than we thought. But it is uh, it is awfully convenient that it's happening so soon after this news of the leak. So does this give any credence to the leak being real? Possibly. Uh, Supposedly the leak came from a disgruntled employee. So uh, I don't know what really the story is behind that, but I hope people out there kind of stay kind to other gamers and don't reveal the story plot uh, that they've heard, because that would be kind of a bummer to hear what it is before you've actually gotten a chance to play it when you don't want any spoilers. I mean, that kind of sucks. 
And I personally especially hope that this doesn't uh, affect the development of the game, that we end up getting a completely finished game, a game that has everything buttoned up nice and tight, and we get a really good experience out of it. Hopefully that's what we're getting instead of an unfinished product. But Miles, what else is going on? Well, we've got the uh, the rumors for Horizon Zero Dawn 2. This is Guerrilla true. Games uh, supposedly had a job posting that uh, mentioned Horizon Zero Dawn. And they had, I guess, the hashtag for PS5 on it. And so the rumor right now is that Horizon Zero Dawn 2 is going to be potentially be a PlayStation 5 exclusive. Um. And this is one of the things that Vargo and I kind of disagree on. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it would be a, a, a huge mistake for them to uh, make it exclusive to just PS5 and not PS5 and PS4. Uh, but if it takes longer than the next two years, uh, I could see that being the case. Um, but prior to that, I think it would be a, a massive mistake to uh, make it just a PS5 exclusive. Yeah. Um, for me, the the I disagree on the simple fact that uh, when you're coming out with an IP like this that actually moves console, like moves consoles, sells them. Um, when you don't go to the next platform that you've actually that you've actually been coding for to begin with, uh, it creates this thing of well, it, it creates the same problem that they had with God of War two, which was I why do I need a PS three when my PS two can do this. So when God of War 2 came, came out, listeners, God of War 2 was phenomenal looking, especially on the PS2 uh, for its time. And when the PS, it came out around the same, same time as the PS3 had come out and the PS3 cam, comes out and <clears throat> well, yeah, the PS3 could play it. It didn't make it look any better and it still looked phenomenal on the PS2 and people were going, we're literally saying things like, why do I need a PS3 when my PS2 can do this? Uh, not taking into account of the PS3 is, you know, just launched and is going to have it's going to be a while before games actually hit the levels that we eventually see like saw from the ps3 like when the the next god of war came out god of war 3 on the ps3 came out you compare that god of war 2 it's night and day right but when god of war 2 came out fans saw no reason to go to ps3 because there was already this phenomenal game and i feel like they'll probably if they continue to do that where they cater towards the previous generation, they'll continue to run into that roadblock of why do I need a PS five when my PS four is still playing the current games? Right. But I don't I do know, just say with within, the, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was, uh, I was, gonna say, I was just going <laughs> to, <laughs> we're going to leave this in here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is what happens. This is the, this is the thing go where, ahead, where you notice how we both stop and we, yeah, and we, yeah, we yeah. were waiting for the other person to, to stop Anderson. Pay attention. Yeah, yeah. I love you, brother. But <laughs> you, you, this is what happens. Um. So I, I, I do have to say, within the first year, if if it's within the first year and they go all exclusive with it, then yeah, I think that's a potential problem because there won't be one. There won't be enough PS fives out in the first year in order to justify not having it on the previous generation because the previous generation will have more consoles available for it, which thus would mean higher game sales, right? Right. But. If it's within the year after its launch, we think <laughs> then, yeah, they should, they should, <laughs> if it's, if it's within the next, the, the next year, then yeah, maybe you might want to, they, they might want to go with a next generation jump to try and sell more of those PS5 consoles because those PS5 consoles will start be, will start hitting the market more regularly by that time. Right. And uh, that's where 
<clears throat> that's where we kind of disagree, listeners, is because I, I think within the second year it should probably go PS or should probably go PS5. And I only say that because of and I'm saying that from a marketing standpoint, just from the fact of trying to move consoles. Right. It's not that I think it it should be closed off to gamers. It's the fact that I think that's the only way that they can try and push the fact that we have a new console out. It can do these things. This is what we want you to buy. Yeah. And those are the games that are kind of going to be that incentive to do that. Oh, yeah. Microsoft's taking an absolutely different tactic. Microsoft is taking a different tactic on the fact that they're basically going to make sure games aren't really exclusive for quite a while. Now, will Microsoft end up losing that uh, that mentality? Probably. I think it's, it's probably going to be in within two years. They'll probably go. Yeah, it's a it's an Xbox Series exclusive, uh, which brings up the which brings me to the the series uh, logo later. I, f- I just remembered that. Yeah. But uh, the the whole thing that they want to do is they want to try and push the new hardware. They want to try and push new hardware, push their games. And Microsoft is sitting there going, well, we have consoles that can play. We have a console, I should say, the Xbox One X, not really the Xbox One anymore, because within a year, the Xbox One is going to be so out of date. Listeners, it's going to be sad. I mean, the Xbox One literally went, the Xbox One practically went out of date within the first four to five years. Yeah. When you look at its its game capabilities, that console was not beefed up for games, and we all knew it. When they yeah, that, uh, that mid-step was basically necessary. Absolutely. Um, so right now what we have is this new generational step, and the X, well, the Xbox One X is still good, and it's still good enough to play games currently, and it will be good to play games probably for the next two years in all, in all reality. Yeah. If not two years, almost three years. Uh, and that's because of the developer's capabilities of being able to step back games like they do for PCs. Although developers, if you ever listen to this, you guys need to start developing for PC again, not consoles exclusively, because since the consoles are so close to PC, you need to cater to the PC crowd first and then step it back because it will translate over to the consoles a lot easier than if you go from console to PC, which is what's been happening. That's why so many PCs have been sitting there going, wow, this is, you know, this is just not optimized for my system when you can turn around and say, okay. We can step it back for the console and optimize it for the console afterwards, but instead, it's been it's been the opposite. So that needs to happen with this next generation, in my opinion, because the next generation of consoles are being stepped up. So, if they're stepping up to to what PCs are at, you need to start catering to the PCs first, and then and then go over to the consoles. But that aside, Xbox, yeah. I think, is Microsoft will will probably take the same mentality, even though they've said they're 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 not going to do, you know, console exclusive. Well, that's eventually true. it not. will be. Eventually it will be. Eventually yeah. it will be PC. I should say PC and Xbox Series exclusive, and the Xbox One will drop away because these consoles are only supposed to have, and and Microsoft has even admitted to it the fact that even even the original Xbox that should have catered to that going into the 360 era for a little while because of how uh, how games were being made for them because they they still ran off the DirectX kind of idea, the, the DirectX architecture. So the original Xbox, when it came out, they stopped, they stopped making games right away for it when the Xbox 360 dropped. When the Xbox 360 dropped, the Xbox was gone. That was it. It was over. Right. And it didn't live out its full life cycle. And Microsoft has even admitted to that. It's full life cycle is supposed to be the same, you know, basically the same as the PlayStation's, which is 10 years. Right. And Sony always talks about the fact that, hey, our consoles are designed for 10 years. Well, if the console is designed for 10 years, we're coming up on seven, I believe, mm. for the PS4. So that means we have roughly 
two and a half, three years of life left on the Xbox or on the PS or the PlayStation platform. That doesn't just mean exclusive. That just means games that are made for the system and developers can decide whether or not they want to support the console after the 10 years is up. Yeah. But Sony will lose. Like Sony has said, they, they basically cut off all main support for that console after 10 years. Now the PS3 ended up lasting a lot longer in the simple fact that not just making, not, not really making games for it, but still allowing programs and apps to be made for their system. Sony was all for it. Sony was like, well, the PS3 is still uh, like people are still holding on to their PS3s. They're not turning them in. They found out that a lot of people that a lot of the PS3s that they put out there are still out in the wild. So Sony didn't say, hey, we're, we're going to stop making updates. So they continue. They continue to make system updates for the console, which is very generous of them. They've made that console last almost 14 years. You have the PS4. The PS4 is going to last another at least another three, you know, probably another three years. Will they continue to make games exclusively for it? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, when I say exclusively, I mean, I mean, just between the PS five and the, and the PS four, uh, will they allow third parties to, to make games on the PS four? Absolutely. They're not going to turn that off. They're not going to say, we're not going to support it. You know, games, a game, Yeah, at if least people still own the system. They're going to let people make, make, make stuff for it. Yeah. At least not years down the road. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and to kind of backtrack it a little bit is, uh, you know, I think with, uh, including, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, whenever it comes out, if it comes out within that two-year period. Yeah. Um, if it comes out within that two-year period, if you ex- uh, include PS4 and PS5, I think you get a broader net. You you sell more games. Yeah. Um, and, and especially with the economy the way it is right now, and hopefully it'll be recovered by then. Yeah. You know, at least mostly. Uh, I, I don't see console sales being as... Uh, large as we've seen in the past uh, just i think we'll get kind of a trickle sale in on this yeah. and uh you know part of that too is consoles aren't really money makers for for no they uh, never have been company unless you're nintendo um so it's it's all about software so i think the wider net for horizon zero dawn 2 would be the smarter move um, that's fair and that's that's kind of where i sit on it um the the other rumor with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn two, um, first of all, they came out and ma- they said they <laughs> want to make it a trilogy, but the other rumor for Horizon Zero Dawn two is that it's going to have co op, which please is a rumor that I really want to be true. <laughs> yeah. Now please, don't get me wrong. Please let that be true. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved the single player of Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, when it came out, it got our game of the year. It. Yeah. It was just amazing. One of the best protagonists, one of the better stories I've ever experienced. Um, and the gameplay was just astounding, especially for something that was a completely new IP for Gorilla, something that they had yeah, never listeners, done. I want to point out that this is coming from somebody who originally saw the first demo was like, eh, I don't know if it'll be okay. When they first, yeah. when they first unveiled it though, it was going to like, it looked cool, but then it, I swear to God, I, I could be mistaken, but I swear to God, when it first was unveiled, it was being advertised for uh, uh, virtual reality, VR, PSVR. And I was like, ah, like, no, can't do it. <laughs> I think that was one of those things where it was just kind of a discussion. Like, I think they yeah, just, maybe, just said, you know, how cool or, it, yeah, it was just, in VR. Yeah, it was that or some sort of mock-up or something. I don't know. But I was like, oh, that's going to suck. I was like this. And there, there's been a few games that they've come out with that were kind of like that. Like, oh, this looks really, really interesting. And then you get to yeah. the end of the the trailer and it's like PlayStation VR. And like, 
son of a bitch. Yeah, I want to say I want to say Horizon Zero Dawn actually predates PlayStation VR. It was it was coming out right around that time uh, as as it was all getting kicked off, Um, which you know I don't know it's just weird, but um, yeah, co op would be fucking amazing in that game. Uh, Not necessary by any means, but absolutely amazing. Oh, I thought of a solution by the way when you when uh, if you get to it. About the mm. how how that's going to work. Yeah. So, listeners, uh, the 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 problem I have potentially uh, with a a sequel and b uh, it being co op is we're not generally fans of games where you pick up as the same protagonist and somehow you've forgotten everything you've learned and or lost all your gadgets. Um, you know, there's been plenty of games that have done that to you in the past. Sometimes it's well explained. Um, sometimes not so much at all. Uh, and so it would be really weird for them to throw Aloy back into the mix as the main protagonist, as the playable character. And you don't have anything that you picked up from the first one. Um, not impossible, but it'd be, you know, weird and aggravating. So the thought is maybe you play as somebody completely different and Aloy is just kind of an NPC uh, factor in the story maybe or a guest appearance or what have you in which case it'd be kind of disappointing because she's such an amazing character you know i kind of want to still play as her mm-hmm. um the other option uh would be uh well the, those are the options for for characters you'd play as now when it comes to co-op uh would you both be playing as aloy or you know what have you it's it's kind of weird. Like we've seen games do that before too, where you both play as the main character yeah. and you're just there as a, as an extra hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as perfect, perfect uh, example. Uh, although they did the one where y- your, your friend played as the uh, arbiter. So I was like, Oh, yeah. that works out pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Halo 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, or not Halo 2, uh, Halo 3. Sorry. My fault. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It'd be, it's, really weird to think about how they would lay it out. I, I, I hope they fucking nail it because I want to see that, uh, IP just totally succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I have my solution. So here's my solution for this Mm. and listeners, if you're hearing a clanging in the background, sorry, that's the, uh, the dryer going off. (laughs) That's our collection of gongs being rinsed. (laughs) We're, we're cleaning all of the dishes with coins. (laughs) <laughs> but uh it's the only way that makes sense <laughs> it's how the uh, ancient chinese used to do it um <laughs> so i have no idea where that came from but here's my solution uh with horizon zero dawn the thing you could do for co-op so let's address the uh you being aloy and me being aloy the way you mm. can do it is i'm aloy in my game you're aloy in your game but when you look at the other person they're a different character there's somebody else all right I think we've you seen can, something like that before. I, I couldn't yeah. tell you what game, but yeah, I, I could swear I've seen it, but I don't, I don't remember offhand where, where it can happen. So that's one solution is that in my game, I'm Aloy and he's somebody else. And in his game, he's Aloy and I'm somebody else. I'm a friend or, you know, someone that Aloy is trained, whatever. The other solution is that, uh, with regards to your abilities is there are two things it can do. Aloy can no longer be, you know, either doesn't isn't the main character anymore 
And it's now up to her one or two apprentices who now have to learn the same abilities as she did in order to do the same things. They go on a journey and you could even set it up where, and this has been done in many games before, where she disappears and you have to find out, we have to find out and track down what happened to her, where she went. And on that journey, you end up learning these abilities. So that's one solution. Another way they can do it is that she keeps her abilities and instead of her abilities continuing to work, a new enemy has has come up since we have that in the the ending to uh, Horizon Zero Dawn as it is, where the uh, the program still exists, the evil one, uh, mm-hmm. Hades. Yeah, it's on walkabout with the uh, the other character. Yeah, uh, since he still exists, is that they start modifying the current machines to resist her abilities, to resist her era, like the kind of arrow types and stuff like that, that she has the traps and everything like that. And she now has to learn new abilities or modify the current, the current weaponry she has in order to take them down now. And I thought that would be kind of neat of instead of taking away everything that you have is build upon that, uh, augment them so that you can have, uh, you know, maybe the blast arrows don't just blast, but they had like now they have nanites in them or something like that, that she maybe got from another facility. Like there's other facilities, other vaults that she goes into and gets these things to create, you know, burst arrows that have nanites in it that, that infect the system and start breaking down the new armor or whatever is or, or organics, whatever, the, whatever they want to implement in these new machines to try and stop them. Things like that, just just augmenting the the abilities we already have and going forward from there. We've seen that in other games. It's not very common though. Most games take the Metroid, you know, the Metroid look of things of, well, you lose everything at the beginning. And now you have to start over. Like it's almost like you forgot how you made things or forgot how you how, how things worked. So they just reset everything. Yeah. It's just kind of an annoying continuity problem at that yeah, point. Yeah, it's it's absolutely an annoying continuity problem. And when it happens in other games, it's kind of like, well, really? Come on, guys. Like, either make me a new character or increase my abilities. Whereas in Metroid, it's like, oh, you lost everything. Now you have to go and go through this maze of bullshit to find those abilities again. Well, okay. I guess, uh, I guess I just, you know, uh, I guess I'll just do that. And it feels, it feels kind of repetitive. It feels like you're playing the first game again when that happens. Yeah. Hopefully they've they've looked at those things and solved those uh, as they're making it. Uh, I don't ex- I don't suspect that they are super far in their development personally. Yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see when that when it comes out because there are there are other reports that say that uh, Guerrilla Games is actually working on a separate game for launch, mm. uh, and that that one will be on PS4 and PS5. We won't really know listeners until we actually hear something from them. But yeah, I uh, think there was a rumor of another kill zone. Yeah, there's been yeah, the, the rumor of the other's kill zone has actually been around longer than or longer than the development of the first or the first uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Because uh, <laughs> right. uh, like listeners, if you don't know this, Horizon Zero Dawn came about because of when they were done when they when they had made the last kill zone, which is a good game by the way. If you haven't played it, absolutely go play it. But uh, when they made the last kill zone, they sat around going, well, what's our next game? And immediately the next kill zone came up to mind. They're like, well, you know, we could make another kill zone. And basically another team within the within the uh, studio pitched or we could do something completely different, completely out of left field that no one's expected. And that was Horizon Zero Dawn. And 
when we first when we first saw Horizon Zero Dawn, when I first saw Horizon Zero Dawn specifically, I was completely blown away by the look. I was like, wow, this looks freaking oh, yeah. awesome. I was like, robot uh, dinosaurs? Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, freaking sign me the fuck up. But at the same time, I was like, well, this is also being done by Guerrilla Games, and they've never worked on anything like this. I said, they're like, yeah. they, they, they've only worked on shooters. Yeah. And not a, a lot of people. Not a third person open world RPG. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and people are going, well, the first Kill Zones were, or the original Kill Zone series was good. It wasn't like, we wouldn't consider it like top notch gaming. It's not like the best series in, yeah. in that genre you could play. And we were going, I don't know, like it, it could have some janky stuff in it. I mean, especially since it's a new, new IP that they've never worked in this kind of stuff. And it could just, it could suck. We don't know. I was still super hyped for how it looked and everything about it. I was like, this is going to be, you know, hopefully this is going to be great. I really hope that Gorilla Studios knows what they're doing and or Gorilla Games knows what they're doing and we can just have a really good game. Comes out, lo and behold, it's one of the best IPs I've played in at least a decade. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it, or I should say best new IPs. It's just, it was top notch. It was absolutely like that. That game was one of those things of like this right here, this shows what the PS4 is capable of. Yeah, I had a I had a video pop up on my Facebook feed from one of my highlight clips that I recorded from that uh, not that long ago. And, uh, you know, the game's been out for uh, how many years now? Uh, and it still looked fucking amazing. Yeah, right? I was like, man, I, it was just a great fucking game. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, listeners, it was one of the games that I actually said, you know, do you need a PS4 PS4 Pro 4? No. Uh, is it nice to have a PS4 Pro 4? Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was just because the draw distance was better. I mean, at, like everything like was kind of bumped up a little bit more, even frame rate, stuff like that. It had two two different modes. It was one of the, the few games that had a performance mode versus, you know, a, 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 a resolution mode. And uh, it was just just awesome. And it really did set the bar of what to expect from PlayStation exclusives. And I think that Sony kind of took that as a uh, example of all, all like our games need to be this kind of quality. And that's why they put so much focus on story and, you know, creating experiences that are so unique to that platform that players can enjoy and why they're continuing that into the next generation. There's a reason why we hold it in high regard listeners. And the reason why we sit there and go, okay, well, if this experience was this good and we could get co-op, Awesome. Oh, yeah. An extra, <laughs> extra distraction, extra set of gun. Oh, bow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe guns. I don't know. Maybe guns. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Uh, that would be, that'd be astounding. An extra person yeah. to set traps. I mean, that's, that'd be pretty fucking solid. Yep. Um, and really any reason to have Ashley Birch back as a line. <laughs> yeah. She is, she is a really good voice actress. God damn. Uh, she sells that character so well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all all of her characters really. Like I say, yeah. she she does that really for all of her characters. So, yeah, I I really do hope that they've made sure that she's back. Uh, I don't I don't see why they wouldn't. But moving on to other things, the Xbox Series X logo was revealed, and a lot of people keep going, "Well, it's not green, and it's not the ball, and stuff like that." They still have that, listeners. The Xbox logo has not changed. This is the Series logo, the Series yeah. X, which means which it can good. have a Series S. It can have a series O, it can have a series Y, whatever the fuck they want to use that series. And then the, 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 the letter for they can use. Yeah. 
So I, I keep having to explain this to people of the Xbox. The next Xbox is called Xbox. It is not called Xbox Series X. It is called the Xbox Series. That's it. And then the oh, Xbox Series this, the Xbox Series that. We, we've we've had the discussion before in the past. I mean, it, eventually it's just going to become PlayStation and Xbox again. I mean, you know, hardly ever do we yeah. talk about PS4 as being PS4. You know, Absolutely. It's just uh, yeah, it's on PlayStation or, hey, it's on Xbox. Yeah, when yeah. things I, I believe when things go completely streaming, which will eventually happen, I, I have to concede that eventually we're going to we're going to have consoles that are solely streamers. And it won't be Google. Uh, <laughs> but, the, you know, someday in the future, listeners, that's going to happen and it won't be called the PlayStation six. It won't be called the PlayStation seven. It won't be called the Xbox, whatever the Xbox five, the Xbox 10, whatever they want to, you know, whatever numbers they want to skip around with, it'll just be Xbox and PlayStation. This will be your, your, your central hub for these, these titles. And in the future, when that happens, you're going to more than likely, you're going to have access to their entire library. I mean, the entire collection of, of, of games, and it's going to go subscription based. Will it suck that you won't own your own games? Probably, you know, there's probably going to be times where networks go down and it's going to leave it's going to lead to a lot of changes in their security for place both PlayStation and Xbox when this happens because of the amount of attacks that they're going to incur when this takes place is going to be astronomical uh but that's why that's one of the good things of the reason why we're easing into this generation of things where things will change over to that as things go more and more in digital and then eventually more and more streaming it gives them a little more time to build it are they actually taking those precautions hopefully Hopefully Microsoft and Sony are looking at those things and taking them very seriously now, especially after the years and years of lacking in security that we've had from them. But that'll be the test of time. We'll have to see it. I mean, it, could you could you could I see them like day one streaming services going down? Absolutely. I could see that happening for various oh, reasons. Yeah. One, too many users. It happens with everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two hacking attacks. And, you know, that's that's those are the thing. Those are the two factors that are going to really dictate whether that that service can take off right away. So we've already seen from Microsoft that they don't have the server capabilities of going to that right away. And the reason is, is because while people are working at home, Azure, one of their main work-related server functions for businesses is having to take away a lot of the resources from Xbox Live. And the reason is, is because they run on the same kind of servers. They run on the same servers. They're all, but they're all Microsoft owned and they have to be Microsoft owned mostly for security reasons. Uh, does Xbox Live have to be Microsoft or have to be on Microsoft servers? Not necessarily uh, like the PlayStation Plus or like the PlayStation Network. As more and more people are, you know, are interacting on it, they can rent more servers and open up more server space for those. It's just does a, you know, virtual, a virtual machine uh, migration so that more and more players can play on the servers. It's not fast. I shouldn't say it's not fast. It's not right away. It's not instantaneous. But it is faster. And when you're having to, as a business, having to allocate some of your Xbox Live servers in order to work with Azure so businesses don't shut down during the day and don't have issues, we've been noticing problems on Xbox Live. So while you've been seeing Xbox Live having problems with communications, buying, and stuff like that, that's why. Because all those resources are having to go towards Azure. And it's only running on Microsoft servers. And Microsoft, when they originally launched the Xbox One, they had talked about the fact that they were buying 150,000 new servers and setting those up globally. 
to basically bolster the Xbox One. But what they didn't tell you is that these Xbox One servers were also going to be sharing resources for other things that they were doing, right. like Azure. So gamers sat there and said, oh, we have the power, you know, kept promoting the power of the cloud nonsense uh, that Microsoft kept pushing for years that turned out to be complete bogus and bullshit. Compare, I should say, comparatively to what it actually was. Right. Well, not, not that it didn't exist. It does, it does exist, but it's not to the strength that Microsoft wanted to promote because they don't have the servers to actually accommodate that. They don't actually have the resources to make sure that we have this massive boost in power over the network. So what you've been seeing lately with all the problems with Microsoft Live and what we've been experiencing, listeners, has been a result of basically what's happening. People are having to work from home. More servers are having to be allocated towards work needs versus what they used to have, which is, you know, most people could actually work from an office and every now and then have to connect to Azure, whereas now they're having to use Azure exclusively in order to work from home. We'll just have to, you know, eventually things will go back to normal and their server, their server load will, will decrease and Xbox Live will start functioning as it should, hopefully. <laughs> but... Uh, and for those of you listeners who, who are sitting there saying, well, how the hell do I know this? Uh, because uh, one of the guys who's on the podcast, I won't name names, works for a company who knows for a fact that a lot of a lot, a lot of the issues we're having is because of this, uh, because of the company he works for. <laughs> so that's that's how we know we have the inside track on that. Um, it's not really the inside track. I think there's a couple of reporters who have pointed it out as well. All right. Thankfully. So we're not the only source. You can go look it up. But. One thing is for sure, listeners, uh, I do want to point out that Sony's not able to escape this issue either. Um, they're having problems with downloads, uploads, everything. They're having to throttle a lot of their customers because even Sony has their limitations with how they, you know, their server system works on renting out servers. So what they do is, you know, as they need servers, they rent them out. Well, when they rent them out, that costs more money. Money does have a limitation as to how many they can actually afford to rent out with the service as as it is. Also how many servers are they allowed to rent out? Because this, the companies that they rent these from, uh, pr primarily I believe it is from Amazon, who uh, has tons of servers that they rent out to companies. But what they have to do is they end up having to uh, allocate, like, okay, you can only have a certain amount because we have other customers that have to have this as well. So there's that. And right now they're having an increase in the amount of people who are requesting server rental because so many people are working from home they're having to make sure that we have enough servers for all of our other customers too. So keep that in mind as we continue to, to deal with these issues. Sony's still going to have their own problems. Microsoft's going to have their own problems and things are going to have to change in the future. But as we uh, continue going on in the future, Microsoft's definitely going to have to change their services. Microsoft's probably going to have to change things up, uh, especially given the fact of Azure is such a business-oriented service that they've created. They're going to have to probably look at how they do their servers, either renting them out from other companies, like multiple other ones, uh, with Azure and Xbox, or uh, in my opinion, I think that Microsoft should kind of go into the renting out server farms like many other companies have done, uh, such as Amazon. The reason why I think that is because Microsoft provides such an essential service uh, to so many businesses, and whether you like Microsoft or not, you're kind of stuck with them, right, right listeners? As they move forward, with their business models, they're probably going to have to start doing that as a service of we will rent out server space and uh, accompany it with Azure so that companies have access to it. 
because I think after all of this is said and done, working from home primarily is going to become a much more open conversation for businesses with their employees. And whether it's going to become an economic reason or whether it's going to just become a uh, just a, a social change uh, in business, it's going to have to become more of a practical practice. Uh. And with the expansion of Xbox Live as it continues to grow, especially because of Game Pass, and we're going into the future of having Ultimate Game Pass become a normal thing, and I do believe that's going to eventually replace what we know of as current Xbox Live, with that growth, they're absolutely going to have to look at how can we expand how our servers function, how we can create this, you know, create a service that is expandable, contractable, you know, constantly able to move with the ebb and flow of our customers. And I, I think that Microsoft needs to really consider po- the possibility of looking at their Azure and how they can expand that just as a server rental space and a business space to work in conjunction with their other services. Right. So it'll it'll be interesting how that model changes over time. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how I got to that. that I don't know. It started <laughs> with the uh, Series X logo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It started with the Series X loader. I don't know how we got to this. Anyways, uh, I'll have to go back and listen to the podcast while I'm at it and be like, oh, that's how we got there. Uh, my brain, this is how my brain works. Like, it's literally uh, like, all right, well, this connection, this connection, this connection. It's kind of like, uh, you know, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. And the only problem is, is by the time I get done with it, I can't circle back around. Right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, getting, getting back to the Xbox uh, Series logo. Uh, it looks cool. It's clean. Uh, yeah. It's not original it's nice and simple it's clean i like it looks good yeah cool. it's not yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's it, and it's not something that people can easily make fun of yeah. uh like yeah. the xbox one um <laughs> last thing is uh well at least the last thing for me is our update for fallout 76 so listeners we've been playing fallout 76 a little bit more and like i said last week we would update you on what our thoughts are and our thoughts really haven't changed can we really recommend this game to anyone miles no no it's still it's still one of those things that if you truly really enjoyed fallout 76 before then you'll probably still enjoy it now yeah. um but don't expect you know revolutionary changes yeah <laughs> My experience with it was not as uh, was not as smooth as Miles has been. Uh, listeners, last week I brought up the fact that I encountered almost what felt like a game breaking glitch, and it was on a mission where I had to clear out the mezzanine in the mission and uh, get rid of all the scorched in the area. And after that, it was supposed to load in one of the NPCs. The first encounter that I was supposed to have with this NPC, by the way, uh, the yeah. first main encounter I was supposed to have with the NPC. So the NPC show is supposed to show up and I'm supposed to have a conversation with her and it didn't happen. I cleared out the mezzanine. Nothing happened. Go out, leave, come back in. Still nothing. Leave, go to a different area, go back, come back in. Still not happening. Still says I need to clear the mezzanine. I'm going, well, there's nothing left here. Miles yeah. joins me, goes into my game or my, my uh, encounter with it. Cause he had already done his tries it out. Still Nothing. He, he can't find an enemy for to save his life. No. So we both leave. I leave. I come back into a different server. I go to a different server. Miles joins me in that server. And when I go in, first explosion happens in the mezzanine and I get booted. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, I guess I'll restart that. I'm, I'm getting frustrated at this point. 
Miles goes, what happened? Like you, you just left. And I went, nope, I got booted. So I had to come back in. I go back in. I'm in a different server than he is. And because uh, it wouldn't let me into the one that I was at, by the way. I, so I try, I try to join Miles basically. And it says no. <laughs> basically comes back. Right. It's like, nope, unable to join world. Uh, world is full, I think is what it said. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll, uh, I'll go into another server. So I go into another server. Miles joins me on that one. We go in, we clear out the mezzanine, finally get a chance to finish it out. Uh, at least I, I was hoping we clear out the mezzanine. Still nothing. NPC doesn't show up. Miles runs around the entire area. I mean, he's got his power armor on and it, you know, if for, as yeah. far as I know, you have I'm firing shots at random, trying to yeah. draw attention, throwing, throwing grenades, making explosions, anything. Uh, and, you know, I throw my power, power armor on and my power armor lights up uh, enemies. It, it, it sil- you know, gives them a red silhouette so I can see them properly and still nothing. Run around for a while, still nothing, can't figure it out. I get frustrated and just say, screw this, I'm out, I'm done, I can't do this. And I go and look up online, tons of people are having this issue, turns out. Not only that, but there's also other game-breaking issues that other people are encountering. So I go, God, dude, seriously, like you guys still can't make a not broken game. Like, come on. Like, I, I'm I'm absolutely just furious at this point. I end up going to Twitter and, of course, posting my 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 feelings, which probably wasn't the best idea for me just because uh, I like immediately going out and just saying shit. Not always the best tact. I eventually deleted the tweet just because I was like, you know what? If the if the developers ever hear the podcast, I want them to at least know that there are mo- that I do have moments of rational like explanations for why I get mad. Yeah. The next day I get onto the game and decide, all right, well, Miles isn't here. I'm going to go ahead and just try in the game. Listeners, it took me an additional seven server hops. And when I say an additional seven server hops, that means I jumped into the game. That's I, I jumped in the game. That's not my first server hop. I consider that just my first instance into the game again. So I go into the game. So potentially, uh, potentially I've been in this, uh, in this server eight, or into a different server eight times after this. So that's 11 times to try and get it done from the first or from the first point. So I'm going, yeah. what the hell? Like, why am I having to do this so often? I got, I was getting so mad. I kept having to just do it over and over again to the point where I was going in there and I was able to speed run the shit out of it every time. But the downside is I was running, running out of ammo. Yeah. Burning through all your ammo. Cause the game doesn't remember it. The game does not let you save prior. And this is where the problem of having a single player experience in a multiplayer game like this occurs. If this was an old Fallout 4, the reason why Fallout was so forgiving for or was so forgivable for any of the bugs that Bethesda had was primarily because if you were smart in saving your game, you could always go back to an earlier save. You could just go to an yeah. earlier, earlier save and redo it. And usually it would work eventually. Even if you had to do it a couple times, it would eventually work. But you didn't you lose any of your resources from when you started. In this instance, since it's a multiplayer game, you lose your resources every time you have to restart that. So every time I did that and left the server, came back to a different server, I had to restart that entire instance, but I was doing it with less resources. I was doing it with less yeah, ammo. And it's and it's not a small fight either. And my weapons are getting low. They're starting to get, you know, they're starting to get take take on damage. I'm sitting there going, what the fuck? Like, what the hell is going on? I finally get through it, listeners, and I finally have the NPC show up. It's a fucking miracle for me. I'm just happy to get it done. I get it done you know, move on to the next quest and I start having a good time again. I start having fun by my, you know, essentially by myself because miles hadn't joined me for a while. Uh, he was, you know, busy during the day and I had free time. So I was just playing it, but it is more like this is fallout, fallout wanderer or fallout 76 wanderers is, 
or not wanderers, <laughs> wastelanders. Wanderers would be the first instance. Uh, <laughs> would be the first release because we're just wandering around. Uh, <laughs> um, but Fallout Fallout Wastelanders uh, is it is primarily designed for a single player experience. It's not designed for co-op really. And I was ex- I was getting more of that experience by myself while I was playing alone than, than I had. And it felt more and more, it felt more and more like a fallout experience, but I still say I can't recommend it because of the one, because of the bug I encountered, that's just yeah. infuriating. And two, it's not really a, it's not really a true single player experience. This is closer to what we should have gotten with fallout. Well, I'll say this again from, from last week, it's closer to what we should have gotten to begin with, with fallout 76. And while I understand the whole idea behind Fallout 76, and I do have to call myself out on on what I talked about last week of the fact that I said that they were going for a more multiplayer experience, listeners. Uh, I re-listened to the podcast, and it sounds like I'm saying that's absolutely fact. Uh, that is ma- that's fact for my opinion, I should say, listeners. That's that was my opinion. That wasn't concrete. It was it was my ob- observance of what was taking place. So, uh, but Fallout 76. When it was, you know, when it came out, they had this idea of, oh, you're going to be, you're, you're the, the first out of the vault. Like no one else, like essentially no one else has come out of the vaults, even though you had evidence of it everywhere uh, right. as you went, you had, you know, and that, and that was the thing that detracted from it was when you came out, like we expected like, okay, we're going to, we're, we're becoming the Raiders. Like that was the idea because the way that it was promoted was you're going to come out, you're going to, you're going to decide what you want to do. You're going to, you know, if you want to become a Raider, you can, you can go after other, other players and stuff like that. That was kind of the idea about it. And then we got out into the wasteland and it really wasn't the fact. Like we, we got out, we hatched, we had, you know, side quests essentially that led up to somewhat of a story. I mean, it, it still had story in it, but it didn't have a whole lot of narrative to it, to that story because we were having to kind of create our own fun and create our own instances. And in some cases, some players took it upon themselves to create their own end game experience. Like one gamer created, you know, made himself your end game boss essentially because he was so high in level and he had so much crap that he basically said, you know, if you defeat me in PVP, I will give you a thousand caps. And he wasn't lying. He actually did that, listeners. That was that was one of the funny things where a player was just like, "I'm going to take it upon myself to make me the end game experience." So he created a uh, his uh, re- this is before they had limited the uh, the campsite uh, so much later in another update. But initially, when the campsites were created, you could create pretty a pretty vast area, and he created kind of a maze for people to go through. Uh, it's, it kind of reminded me of old like Wolfenstein. Yeah. Where you could go through, you you go through. He had pets and stuff that you had to kill, and that's how you got to him. And he would give you a thousand caps if you beat him. And he was tough. I mean, he had a lot of good shit. So he he definitely he definitely lived up to the fact that I'm your end game boss. So that was kind of what we were what we were doing. We were all kind of going out and making our own fun and and creating our own kind of experiences and stuff like that. But it wasn't quite what what we thought was going to happen, which is we go out and we decide whether or not we're going to be settlers. We decided we're, we we decide whether or not we're going to create our own compounds. It was well, you're still in an individual in a multiplayer game, and there are signs everywhere of there were other individuals in Appalachia with the uh, you know raider camps and stuff like that that were empty. Now, 
And slowly as you go along with the story, you find out that it's because the reason why they're empty is because of the scorched. Like the scorch kind of came in, took over everything and everybody left. That's what really happened. So yeah. you're not really the first people out of the, you, you're, you're, you're the first people out of the vaults, but you're not the first people in the area. Yeah. So what we're getting with fallout wastelanders is really what we should have been experiencing before, which is you're trying, like it should have been a mix of you're, you're coming across Raiders. You're coming across people un- uncovering the secret of what happened with the scorched, why the scorched exist and trying to stop them in their spread. And you're initially, you should have had that. It almost makes me feel like what we got with destiny, where you keep hearing about the lore and the battles and stuff like that from the universe that's been created, but you don't get to experience any of that. So you're kind of like, Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I'm the aftermath and that's kind of, and it's kind of boring compared to what you hear about. You hear about these awesome battles and these awesome, like this awesome time that you're supposed to be fighting for. And we really didn't get to experience that. And we didn't actually experience something like that until destiny two, really like when destiny two launched, we had that kind of experience of an invading force coming in and us fighting them back and trying to, trying to push back the, uh, the uh, initial takeover that, that was cool. That was a, that's a cool idea. That's kind of where we were. We should have had in destiny the first one. Yeah. So with fallout 76, now we're experiencing where the game should have always been. But because now we're experiencing where the game should have always been, we kind of go, we kind of feel a little jaded because it, we're like, well, this is what you guys should have worked on before. And Bethesda can sit there and say, well, that's not what we initially set out to do in the first place at all. But we know for a fact, and I especially know this because of uh, Legacy Killer HD on, uh, he's a YouTuber listeners, highly recommend looking at his videos. He had a contact who used, who was one of the developers on Fallout 76. And that developer told him emphatically that the message that they were getting from the studio, not Bethesda, Zenimax, the message they were getting from the higher ups were telling them, get it done. Doesn't matter if it's finished. Doesn't matter if it's broken. Get it done. Get it out. Because it was eating up resources. Right. Because they weren't making a lot of money. I mean, that's why you saw Skyrim come out <laughs> multiple times. Release on everything. Because they wanted to try and make more money. They were trying to stretch that out as much as they could, make as much money as they could off of it. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic game. So happy that it got a remaster and a lot of people got, a lot more people got to experience it. Awesome. But there was a reason for that. And that was because they were trying to make as much money as possible because the other things, the other projects they had were that were going on weren't making them revenue. They were just bleeding money. The downside to that is since they were telling them to push it and telling them to get it out was that Fallout 76, when it came out, just started bleeding more money because it had so many problems. It wasn't finished. It wasn't ready to go. It still does. It wasn't really (laughs) what they wanted to do. And it still has problems. Still has lots of problems. Listeners, one of the things that came up was a game was it was a game bug that we had experienced back in launch, which is where your turrets will turn on you and your own campsite and start firing at your campsite. Now, it won't damage you, but they'll damage your campsite. Yeah. And uh, the latest one we, we've heard and seen video of is uh, power Ooh. armor yeah. losing all of its pieces and NPCs stealing your, your weapon and your ammo. Yeah. that's And when you've got some rare shit, like I don't, I ha- to me, I have rare shit. But when you compare it to other people that are like rank 150 and they've got like four star items, I don't have rare shit. But it would still really piss me off to lose any of the crap that I have. That would be infuriating. Oh yeah. The loss of the, the power. Armor site, would, yeah. If it was yeah, just the, like a T 45 set, <laughs> I wouldn't fucking yeah. sweat it. 
Yeah. One of the, one of the guys that demonstrated that was, it was just an old, you know, piece of crap. Yeah, I think it was an excavator unit. Yeah. And it happened to him and he was like, well, I, he, he was just going to, he was literally just taking it to take to his camp. And then he was going to break down the armor so that he could have supplies and one learn some of the pieces of parts. Because when you break down stuff, listeners in the game, you learn mods as you break stuff down. It's kind of a cool system. So that's what he was going to do. And he sets it up and says, okay, this is the, these are the pieces I'm going to have on there. So I don't, you know, I'm not carrying as much on myself and I can jump in the, into the armor and it, it can carry the weight for me and I can get back there while I'm over encumbered. And uh, he jumps into the, to the armor and it all disappeared. All of it, all the armor. It didn't go into a stash, nothing. It was gone. He <laughs> was like, yep. okay, so that's a problem. Uh, and on top of that, you have what you mentioned with the uh, NPCs taking your, your weapons. Now, listeners, this can happen in Fallout 4. Difference is in Fallout 4, when you die, you have to reload. <laughs> you can't just yeah. stay there. So when you die, an NPC can pick up your stuff and you can watch it on screen when it happens because it's giving you the game over dun, dun, as it fades yeah. out and then eventually tells you if you want to, you know, ask you if you want to reload from the checkpoint or from a save. Well, that doesn't happen in Fallout 76. Fallout 76, you die. Well, you die and, and your bag gets left there and all your weapons get left there, your armor, and an NPC, could be even an ally, can go and grab your weapon and your armor and you may never see that that NPC again because by the time you get back, the NPC either might have moved on, died, uh, despawned, anything. So... Well, that, that sucks. And yeah, you can't go, you can't simply go up to an NPC and say, Hey, I want my stuff back. Yeah. So that, that creates an issue in this open world. And that's another instance where it's, you can see that there are systems in place that are primarily designed around the original fallout systems that are not designed around multiplayer. The, the, they don't translate over. So now they're working on that. And I, like I sit there, I'm like, man, like every time they come out with a new update, it's almost like they just don't test it. Well, when they, uh, you remember when they had that, uh, that issue with stashes being completely deleted, uh, we didn't yeah. log on. We we're like, I'm not going to lose all my shit. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I wasn't, I wasn't going to get onto the game and risk losing everything that I had worked super hard for. And especially since that was right after I had gotten my ultra sight armor. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, yeah, I'm so not we, doing that. We didn't, we didn't touch the game for months um, easily. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, and now I'm at the point where I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I, I won't not touch the game, but I probably won't use my power armor. Like, yeah. I'm not so concerned about my weapons. Most of my weapons are pretty replaceable. I took my power armor off and I put it in my stash. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I, <laughs> I have the weight reduction, so I, I think I'll just keep it on me. Since I'll, I'll yeah. be scared of it disappearing from my stash. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I mean, the power armor is a, a pretty big facet of the game. Like, it helps yeah. with massive fights or, you know, if you have to jump off a fucking cliff, you know, it's it's good to have. And now I can't really uh, count on using it. It's, so. it's the boss fight equalizer for that yeah. game. It's uh, what brings you from, it's what brings you from, you know, a level 60 fight to be able to compete into, you know, level 100 fights. And that's, that's, that's my experience listeners just, you know, and miles is higher level than I am. So he's facing enemies that he, he's, he faces bosses that can come in at a much higher level. Yeah. So 
uh, it's one of those things of like, well, the higher the level of the enemy, the more damage they can do to you. So I need something that equalizes that. Well, that's what power armor does. That's the whole idea behind it. But when you lose it all, you can't go back and, and unsave or, you know, go back to an earlier save. You can't go back and undo that. The game doesn't allow an you. An ultra sight is not terribly easy to come across. <laughs> yeah. At least not for me. This is that's that aspect of the game is designed for a single player on those on those pieces and parts. And it's not really thought through for the multiplayer. So that's what creates this weird hodgepodge in especially in Wastelanders where you're you're dealing with situations like, OK, well, you guys created a multiplayer experience, but you didn't think of multiplayer problems. With your with your software, you didn't think of glitches that happen with your software that this stuff isn't new listeners. These glitches happen in old Fallout games. These things happen in Fallout 4. So at what point does Bethesda go, hey, we have to we have to make sure that this this stuff doesn't occur. And I get listeners, glitches are going to happen sometimes. But with Bethesda games, they happen a lot more than others. They've just always been forgivable because we had save systems, because we had these open world environments that were so intriguing, these, these stories that were just a lot of fun to participate in. And now that we're finally getting the stories part in, while they're not of the same caliber, they are still fun. They are still interactive. They're still entertaining. They still want, you know, I still want to experience the rest of it. Uh, It's not ready for this kind of system. It's not designed for a multiplayer system where I can't save, where I can't go back, where I can't undo certain things that have been done. just, it's not there. And this also brings back the other problems that other people are having with it, which is where like some people close off quests to themselves because they do a skill checkpoint and it closes off a quest for them. That would have actually been a fun, entertaining quest for them to have that they find out about later in old fallout. Usually you have a save just before that conversation and you can go, Oh, I didn't do this quest. I didn't realize this was a thing. I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to yeah. undo my decision and I'm going to go have this, have this good time in this quest. I've done that several times in the old fallouts. I've done that in Skyrim. There's a reason why listeners, my Skyrim playthrough was over 200 hours. So these are kind of experiences where people are like, well, now I can't undo that. I can't go back and have that same conversation unless I create a new character and go through all of it over again. And I don't know a lot of people who are willing to do that, who are willing to just, erase everything they've done and go back just to have that one instance change because all at 76 is kind of a slog. Yeah. Even with the new content, especially to get back ultra sight armor. God damn. That would fuck. I'd lose my goddamn mind. I would never play that game again. If I lost that, (laughs) I would completely just go berserk because that wasn't easy. You, you and I went on that quest and I couldn't believe you did Uh, the quest by yourself. Yeah. I did that shit solo. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, like, that, that's not this. entirely true. I did most of it solo. I had okay. a guy show up uh, towards the end of that uh, that cave. Yeah. And but I still did the vast majority of the heavy lifting in there. <laughs> gotcha. Because uh, I think he died out like three times, and yeah. I I managed to cling to to, <laughs> to survival. But uh, yeah, it's not an easy task, and. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I still like, you know, the T60 and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, the, the ultra sites night and day yeah. in the end listeners, we can't really recommend, even if you're an old school fallout 76 uh, player, 
if you played the first Fallout 76 and you didn't like it, this isn't going to change your mind. You're not going to like it still. It's not going to be enough. Fallout 76 players who enjoyed it, well, it might be it might be enough to enjoy. You might be you might want to come back and play it with you or play it, but you're not going to be able to play through everything with your friends uh, without repeats. Yeah. Uh, if you play play through it with your friends and help each other out with your own sections back and forth, it's going to take you twice as long because there's no co-op aspect of completing your 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 uh, yeah you can't complete it side by side yeah you, you you can't complete your mission checkpoints at the same time they're completing theirs uh together you have to go into your own separate instances so that's a bummer is this the right step for fallout 76 yes absolutely was this a good addition it's a decent addition it's uh it's a it's a good stepping stone will we see more content like this from uh from fallout miles uh, f- uh it i honestly don't know like yeah i would like to say that they're going to continue to build on it but uh bethesda has been such a wishy-washy fucking developer as of yeah. late that i honestly don't know yeah i could see them leaving it kind of where it is and uh, just moving on to other things yeah but uh i will say Sheep Squatch is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you see one, beware. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there, so listeners, there's a, there's a imposter Sheep Squatch, which is a uh, robot with a Sheep Squatch, like skin and, and head on it. Uh, that's, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the, the real Sheep Squatch and uh, I've seen photos oh. of it and fuck that nonsense. Um, yeah, this thing was a level 80 diseased, noxious Sheep Squatch that blew through a herd of Radstag, chased me down a mountain, killed off a few bots from the White Spring and kind of demolished part of two other people's camps. Uh just to try to bring me and another person down at the end. Uh, yeah. Not fun. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it, it was a terrifying it like experience. Those, like you want to sneak <laughs> up on this thing with a mini nuke. Yeah. I, I just say so you steer, get steer two times sneak clear. bonus. <laughs> so, and I, and I could see it. Yeah. I could see it taking that, that nuke and just going, what the fuck was yeah. that? Just I, it was, ass. It, th- that fight made me miss the death claw den. From, uh, from, <laughs> from three, the three or new Vegas. I can't remember. I can't remember. One of them but I know had a death claw about. den. Yeah. I'd spend like, an afternoon right. on death claw Island than rather than take that thing on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so get away from a death claw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got that stupid stagger bullshit. Yeah. Um, so, in other news, uh, and other and other things that we've been playing, Sea of Thieves has uh, they've had their latest updates, and they've brought in these new uh, new faction or syndicate or whatever what what whatever the emissary call themselves emissary program yeah, uh, and you now have uh, it's it's man it's kind of interesting to see how this has happened. So the problem with Sea of Thieves is they, that Rare literally cannot decide, is this a multiplayer PvP with a little bit of PvE, or is it PvE mostly where we want people to, to, to work together? And they keep going back and forth with different shit that they keep implementing. 
Uh, and every time they implement something that has more, that adds more PVP focus to it, we end up experiencing more griefers. And this is extremely true on PC. And what's happening now is you have this new emissary that's come in. That's the Reaper of Bones, Reaper's Bones. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And uh, their whole purpose is to basically take down other players. And the more people, or I should say, the more the more players they take down that have these specific flags, they they have to be. I think they primarily have to be emissaries of other uh, factions. They have to be. I think part it of, can be part of those. I think it'd be anybody, but you get they have to have an emissary pennant up in order to truly get progress. If the I the most benefit out of it, yeah. And this this allows them to have these flags that that hang from their mast. Or from the above the crow's, ma- crow's nest that shows basically their ranking, how how well they're doing with this. Yeah, and uh, the more bars that a flag has, the more impressive the group is that you're taking on. And when you're a reaper, you go after these ships primarily because you're wanting to increase your rank. You're wanting to increase your flag to be all five bars, so you can cash in for the most point, like basically cash in for the most uh, reward. And uh, on top of that, as a Reaper, you, or you can go after the Reaper's chest. That gives you rep as well. Uh, humble gifts, you know, generous gifts, all those kind of things. But it's putting more of a focus on taking out other players. And this has not helped with, P- with, with people griefing. So we've experienced partially this, but not to the extent that I've seen on PC. You guys playing on PC, man, I feel sorry for you guys because... Jesus Christ, I watched one group go, jump into a server and they go onto the map and there was just reapers everywhere. And I was oh, like, yeah. shit, like how else, how do you get anything else done? And it's basically just created this massive PVP aspect to the game that people really weren't asking for because let's be honest, especially on the console side, the combat for Sea of Thieves sucks. And mostly that's because of the amount of delay with buttons and everything like that. Like, I swear to God, it's like a half second from when I push a button and it actually uh, turns on. So that's why PC PC gamers, I will tell you, it is easier to play with a mouse and a keyboard than it is a controller. When you can turn around and you can you can juggle multiple chests across the water using just a mouse back and forth, back and forth, back and forth within less than a couple of seconds, it's easier to play with a mouse than it is a controller. <laughs> that's just a fact. If you have an improvement, a significant improvement going from a controller to a mouse, it is easier to use a mouse. That is fact. Being able to unload a boat within a matter of less than two seconds. Yeah, while we're on Xbox and it takes us a second, second and a half just to pick one up. Yeah. <laughs> we have to sit and hold the button, wait for it to pick up. Then you can take it and move the controller over. Move it, you know, move it fast enough to actually unload it. Uh, you know, there's no massive acceleration. When you push the 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 stick to the right all the way. You can push the stick to the right all the way. It won't accelerate until about half a second later. It starts to accelerate. There is a half a second delay between when you push a button and it actually does something in the game. That's terrible freaking lag. And you can use a you could use a wired controller. It does the same thing. I've tried it, listeners. Doesn't work. Wired controller does the exact same fucking thing. But you switch over to mouse and keyboard, instantaneous. It's smooth. It's like butter. Instant press, instant done. That's a problem in their pro. That's a problem. I think I think of their programming, but 
with the PC side, like they're, they're having, they're experiencing griefers. Like we, we even ran into a little bit of that where there was a group, a ship that would not leave the Reapers, uh, island. <laughs> they refused. Yeah, we, we made to, our own fun of that. <laughs> we, yeah, we, 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 we decided to fuck them over. But in a lot of cases, this is happening tr- like in, increasingly everywhere where, where players will literally wait in an island with their ship. They'll have two guys off the island at the Reapers outpost and waiting to vote on their flag so that people can't see them. So listeners, yeah. that's, that's a form of griefing. So you can't see. So when the Reapers are on, like when, when somebody declares themselves as a, as a Reaper, you can see their ship on the map when they're not declared as Reapers and they're declared as nothing as even one of the other factions, you can't see them at all. And don't get me wrong. We were attacked by a, a, a group that was doing uh, nothing but uh, merchant shit, which was complete bullshit, by the way. Uh, yeah. While we were, you know, while we were basically trying to stay the fuck away from them, they decided to chase us down. They ignored what they were doing entirely and just decided to chase us down just for the fuck of it. Now that happens regardless in the game, but you know, it's still fucking annoying. But the griefing that takes place with Reapers is to a new level, especially yeah. with the fact that you have people going around saying, "Hey, let's have an alliance," and instantly attacking you like dicks. Yeah, like I, I would love to have an alliance with you. Why are you being an asshole? Like this is these are the tactics that people are using. People who create alliances and are reporting to other Reaper ships that are within their alliance where the other person is, what the other person is doing. These are the kind of bullshit tactics that I sit there and go, like at this point you're not really pirates. At this point you're just assholes. Like, yeah, it's just being a douche. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, you, listeners, you can make the argument of, well, you know, it, it's they're pirates. What are you going to do? Well, okay, yeah, but. In my opinion, you know, doesn't change that they're a douche. <laughs> yeah, you know, their the, their their rules they're really more like guidelines. Okay, well, you're still being an asshole. It doesn't change the fact that you're just a douche uh, by doing that. You're you're taking advantage of another person's trust in the fact that they're they're thinking you want to have an end goal of advancing your progress the same as them. Uh, which is why I kind of feel like every single game that you come into, there should be a little you know, symbol to let you know overall what their ranking is, their level, not just what their ranking is with each faction, but what their level is. Because if they're not looking for an advancement in the game, like if they're already pirate legend, they have no need for advancement. They're just fucking with you at that point. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Listeners. I've, I've jacked some things in the game, but I've never straight up deceived anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never been like, Oh, hey, I'm your friend. And then attack yeah. them immediately. Uh, We've never gone, hey, we're friendly, and then immediately, you know, tried to kill them all. Yeah. We, we say, hey, we're friendly. We mean it. You know, in, in one case, I think a, a while back, one guy was like, hey, we're friendly. And I said, and I wrote back, we're not. <laughs> and he immediately did an about face and went the other way. Uh, and that was that was an instant listener, an instance listeners where we, we basically gotten fed up with the other players in the game. And we had already had people who were like, hey, let's create an alliance. And we we're just and they immediately attacked us. So we have had good uh, alliances. Like, it still does exist. Um, yeah. But we definitely you know, griefing. Griefing has been incentivized by this. This latest update. And that's that's a problem <laughs> in all reality. Yeah, um, that is that is always an issue. And that's what I mean by rare cannot figure out what kind of game they're trying to make. And Rare, here's a solution. You had talked a long time ago about the possibility of introducing private servers. That's not really the the final solution. The solution is, do I want to join a server that's PvE or do I want to join a server that's PvP? This is not new. World of Warcraft had this. You know, sort it out, guys. 
create a, do you want to join a PVP server or do you want to join a PVE server? PVP, we might join those every now and then. But primarily, we're on there to try and get our rep because it takes us forever to get our fucking rep up because we don't have the time that other gamers do to get your rep up to, to legendary so we can experience some of the other stuff that legendary player, you know, pirates of legend get to experience. Some of those being the other tell or other tall tales. Yeah. On top of that, you also still have griefing that deal with that deal with tall tales. We have literal like we had literally a player who like we were going over to an island. We wanted to experience the tall tale and they knew it. They absolutely knew what we were doing. We went over to the island. We grabbed the tall tale because the tall tale, when you when you interact with it, it gives off a glow in the room. There's a specific area you have to go to. Uh, and people from, you know, that are sailing by can see it, can see what you're doing. And so I, you know, Loach and I left, I, I think it was Loach and I, or it was Miles left and we went to go activate it and they could see us going there and they came right up and started immediately attacking. And when we were going to go back, they were still there. They were still waiting. They knew exactly what we were trying to do. And that's what happens with tall tales. They just fucking wait for you and just fucking grief you. So you can't actually complete them. That still happens. And maybe, you know, some of you are playing CFDs and you're like, ah, oh, this guy's just a whiny little bitch. Okay, I'm a whiny little bitch. I'm a whiny little bitch who knows exactly how a game should work and function. And when you create a multiplayer aspect to it that has PvP in it, you have other players that ruin that experience for you. So why even have tall tales? Even, even Bethesda figured this out before they released Fallout 76 and created a passive mode so that things get, so at least if people are trying to grief you and trying to interact with you and trying to force you into PvP, they get denied a little bit of that because it does a fraction of the damage that it normally would. We had a guy try to do that when we were walking out of one of the bars in Fallout 76 and he kept shooting at me. Just sat there, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And I gave him the, uh, it was it was the panicking one, whichever one that means. I was just like, oh no, like it wasn't doing anything to me. Uh, he'd fire one. I was, I was a lot higher level than he was and my armor is pretty dense. So even if I were in PVP, probably wouldn't do a whole lot of damage to me right away. But he, he wasn't in, I wasn't interacting with him. I wasn't shooting back at him. I was just ignoring him and he would shoot me like two times and it would do like just a fraction of damage to me. And he was like, all right, well, this isn't working. I'm going to leave. So they have that point of like, it's just not worth it to you. Don't get us wrong. Listeners. We've had people who were absolutely dedicated to try and kill us. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's a problem in Sea of Thieves, and it's always been a problem in Sea of Thieves, and it will be until they create separate servers, until they create servers that are designed for PvP and servers that are designed for PvE. Because some of us yeah. just want to play against other, like just want to play against the things that are created in the game. Megalodon, yeah. you know, there there's plenty of other things that that cause us problem. And right now, the skeleton aggro is fucking insane. Oh yeah. So there there's Really, when when that happens, it's it's really one of those things that we don't want to face other players because we have no incentive to. Then there are other players who all they want to do is just kill other pirates. Okay, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. I don't want to do that because listeners, I know I'm not good enough in this game. I'm no not I know I'm not talented enough for PvP in this game. You want to go into Crucible and Destiny? Yeah, Miles and I can take you on half the day. <laughs> <laughs> at least once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, we were really good at that, uh, but. When it came, when it comes to to Sea of Thieves, we're just not, and we know that we're we're willing to admit we are some of the worst pirates that have ever existed <laughs> in the history of mankind, and we're okay with that. We have our moments, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it's yeah, we're we're only really good against PvE. <laughs> yeah, 
Those are the things we want to experience. And, and it's hard to truly enjoy when uh, you're you're trying to undertake a task like that, and you're basically having to play fucking, you know, Groundhog and uh, you know, or, or, or Meerkat and fucking be on the constant lookout for other yeah. dangers. Yeah, yeah I mean that, I, that's I can't the thing too. Like, a- you, you you, if you're a person that enjoys PvP, they put a fucking arena in the game for you. Yeah. Right. But you would still rather go fuck with other people. Like, yep. That says something about you. <laughs> yeah. That says you are an asshole. You're the guy that goes into racing games and drives backwards. And you can make the argument of, well, it's pirates, man. You can't get mad, pirate. Well, I can get mad when I'm trying to do the other things that are involved in this game, when I'm trying to do the story elements that are involved in the game and can't complete them because of people like you. Because yeah. of people like you, I can't enjoy the other aspects of the game. And when Rare refuses to actually make the experience capable for me to actually enjoy it, what's well, yeah. dumb? It just becomes luck of the draw. Are we gonna are we gonna get onto a reasonable server or not? Yeah. To me, that's Dark Souls level stupid. And maybe I'm a snowflake for that, listeners. Maybe I am. Who knows? Maybe I'm just a fucking baby. Maybe I'm a whiner baby for it. I don't care. I want to actually be able to experience the stories in this game and I can't because of other players because of other people. I can't enjoy that game. And on top of that, I can't stand the gameplay for this game (laughs) because of the (laughs) amount of delay that is in those controls. I want to throw my controller half the time. The only reason I experience, I've I've told you guys this listener miles, but I haven't told the listeners about this. The reason why I play the game is is literally because of the uh, camaraderie and the social aspect with my friends. I enjoy (laughs) those things because we actually do have fun in those adventures, but the gameplay, I have to kind of just grind through and deal with it as I'm playing it because it's just not well done. These, these guys are being dicks and babysitting Reaper's hideout. All right, let's just sail the chest into the outer bounds. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that was funny to me. And yeah, we were being assholes listeners and technically we were griefing at that point, but if they weren't going to leave the Island, then okay. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to take the one thing that you were trying to get away from you, which yeah. is, which was one, our ship, and two, <laughs> the crap on that ship, which was only the Reaper's chest at that point because we had dropped yeah. everything else off. And the funny thing was watching that guy collide into the island trying to come after us. <laughs> twice. Twice he, he slammed into shit. Yeah. Uh, like, I think, he, like, like you said, I think he was trying to pilot a fucking galleon by himself. Yeah. But, I mean, his buddies could have been on Reaper's hideout. So I'm sure they probably were. Good possibility. But, I think uh, one of them was on that one island shooting at us. Oh yeah, sloop was. But, uh, yep. It, it was. It was funny. And we didn't. I, we stayed in that server too, and we didn't wind up running into uh, um, any more issues because I think it, no. he eventually left or something. Yeah. Well, eventually we ended up leaving because we had to go to uh, we had to go to Loach's game because he couldn't find us. Yeah, that's right. Um. But yeah, we, we drove it out of bounds and the, the Reaper's chest stayed out of bounds for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And that, that's <laughs> um, not counting the the amount of time that we just sailed around with it. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they sat at Reaper's hideout doing dick all yeah. for, you know, probably 40 minutes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we were happy to waste their time if they were going to waste ours. Yep. <laughs> so uh, that that's where there's that's where the point of like we just were all right. If we're going to be grief. Then we're going to grief you. You know, turnabout's fair. Yeah, you know, I wonder what would happen is if if you drop that chest 
in one of the uh, the tall tale areas, like behind the uh, the event door, <laughs> right? Because it would still be in bounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Food for thought. But uh, those are the things that kind of break the game. You know, when you have those, when you have those kind of players, when you have those kind of things. And as a developer, when you continue to go, all right, well, we're going to introduce tall tales. We're going to introduce these PVE aspects and people are like, yay. And then they get griefed by multiplayer and you don't, you don't try to do anything to wean off the, the multiplayer aspect, or you don't do anything to correct those systems. What are you trying to do rare? What's your, what is your, what is your goal with this game? We don't know. They have systems to, you know, cater to PVP. If you really want to play that way, like you said, with the arena, there's even the flag you can throw up. If you're itching for a fight, people will know where you are. Yeah. And there's there's all kinds of things that you can do if that's the way you want to play the game. Like, but there's no no handicap other than, you know, showing those people on the map, you know, if they so choose to do so. Yeah. Yeah. There's no handicap to allow people that just want to focus on PVE to stay the fuck out of it. That's why I said that their their real solution is staring them right in the face and they refuse to do it, which is you have separate servers. You have PVE servers and PVP servers. Yep. But I find that I don't have the talent to battle to battle other players because they're just players with too much talent for that game. And I'm willing to admit it. I suck. Okay. I can't get good at something that I completely suck at and that has shitty controls. Sorry. It's just not gonna happen. I can get good at other things. I'm pretty good at Warframe. <laughs> Hunter, call of the wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I am an idiot savant when it comes to Hunter, call of the wild. I will admit that I have no idea why. But <laughs> listeners, we go into Hunter, call of the wild, and I can kill everything. And it's not just the weapons that turns I have. into the fucking hunter from Jumanji. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We tested it out, listeners. I actually grabbed one of the first starter weapons while the other guys were on their second their second rifle. Miles still had his first rifle originally. Uh, when we does when we did this, but I went back to the first rifle and I was still killing everything faster than everybody else was. It made zero fucking sense, but I would walk around while the guys would stay in blinds and stuff like that. And I would just kill anything. Usually so, in groups. <laughs> yeah, very much so in groups every once in a while because of a glitch. But I mean, those the, was, that didn't account for a majority of your, your occurrences. Yeah. But uh, maybe Sea of Thieves isn't the right game for me, and I'm willing to con- I'm willing to concede that to listeners. I'm willing to say, P- you know, Sea of Thieves is not the game for me. If it weren't for the fact that the other guys play it, I literally would never touch that game. And this goes against even my first review of the game. My first review of the game was that it was fun, and that it was entertaining, and it was you know it was worth it was worth playing. And uh, that was before I had had enough time with it, which is why listeners, I kind of need to change the way I've been doing my reviews. Uh, is that I need to play the games a little bit longer before I actually give you my opinion on them. And that's just because gameplay, as as you play games and gameplay kind of changes or even, you know, as you experience more of the gameplay, I, I figure out, okay, whether or not I actually like the game or not. And uh, the initially, initially I enjoyed the game because of the the social aspect, I enjoy playing with the guys and I've come to realize over the, over the time that I've been playing it of actually, I don't like the game. I don't want to play it by myself. I can never play it by myself because I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I, too. Think- I don't want to deal with the controls, but if I'm with other people, I enjoy that aspect of it. I've had plenty of hilarious and fun moments with the other guys 
because that part's fun. Yeah, I think the only time I've ever played it by myself was during the fishing tournament challenge. And that was just because yeah. I could sit there and sit in one area and, you know, keep. And you, sh- you slogged it out. You were yeah. Josiah for roughly a week <laughs> of I'm okay with fishing. So you would have, I would have thought Josiah would have jumped in right away when we, when we told him <laughs> about that, but he did not. It, it is what it is. So do you think Sea of Thieves is going to continue just being a games-as-a-service model and just move over to the next system and just play in the same area? Probably. Yeah. I, I, I would hope. I'd hope by then uh, they open up more of the map because it's, from the layout of the map, it's clear that they intend at some point to increase the uh, the size and, yeah, the you know, the extra the squares off to the right, you know, northern northern. Uh, yeah, to the uh, south and to the northeast. Area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, we haven't seen anything from it yet, and yeah, it's we haven't seen anything been out yet. for a while. I mean, it took a long time just for the Devil's Roar content to come out, which is cool and terrifying all at the same time. Um, yeah, it's absolutely an instance of the publishers Microsoft wanted to get the game out and into people's hands and try to make as much money off of it as possible, as quickly as possible before rare was actually finished with the game. And part of that was probably because of the amount of time it was taking to develop the game. And I can understand that uh, from a publisher aspect, you're sitting there going, well, we're just burning money, not making any money from this thing. So why don't we just put it out and slowly have the game build up, which is what's kind of created this whole games as a service model Yeah. of we'll release it now and build on it later. Uh, it hasn't worked out for some games. Some games it has. Sea of Thieves, it's been an up and down battle. They've had gamers play it, leave, come back, leave, come back. Uh, I think they're pretty okay with the model that they currently have of players play the new, new content. They'll leave for a while and come back when we have new stuff. But I think that they're probably, yeah, I think they'll probably continue that going for, or going forward and going into the next generation. They'll just transfer this over to the next, next generation console, maybe do a graphical upgrade, uh, which would be kind of cool. But uh, yeah, they'll just continue with what we have and uh, we'll, we'll get more and more content uh, to build on it. Listeners, while I'm losing my voice and before I completely lose my voice, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Please go on Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter if you have a Twitter account. If you don't want to have a Twitter account, don't worry about it. We don't really post that many things anyways. If you want to get rid of your Twitter account, we highly recommend it. If you want to take a break from your Twitter account, absolutely do that. The lack of social media in your life is a good thing. Trust me. Please follow us on podbean.com if you don't like iTunes. If you do like iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. Tell your friends about us. It's pretty much the only way we get around. Like I said, we don't really use social media. This is Vargo. And Miles. Keep on geeking on. And we're out. Once that dead, I'ma strike for you Diamond, black
Take a genius to understand.